Welcome to Christmas in the city. We're excited that you're here. Can you just tell your neighbor you have perfect attendance for December? You have perfect attendance for December. I'm going to invite you to have perfect attendance for all of December. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. I challenge you. We're, we're thrilled for what Christmas in the city will look like this year. The, our, our worship team, our production team is putting together a spectacular uh, a spectacular service for us uh, that, that we'll get to all celebrate together on the 17th. But for the next three Sundays, Pastor Israel and myself are going to be covering just a few themes uh, that, that remind us, that, that bring to the forefront of our minds the reason why we get to celebrate Christmas. Amen? It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You can feel it. You can sense it. But as I mentioned this, I want to tell you I'm not referring to the circumstances of your life. I'm not referring to what you're experiencing or what you're going through deep down on the inside. I'm referring to the fact that as believers, we are reminded and get to celebrate the birth of our Savior. To celebrate that he loves us with a relentless love, with a crazy love. Because it's so easy to get lost in the gifts and the the decorations, in the parties, and miss the central focus of Christmas. Jesus was born to bring the gifts of hope, of peace, of joy, and of love. And that is the real reason for the season. Today I want to speak to you on the subject of joy. A joy that is ours and a joy that can be yours regardless of the circumstances that we face. Can I tell you, there's always going to be something that wants to steal your joy. And with this in mind, our life, the joy that we experience in this life, is greatly connected at times to the circumstances in our lives. If you woke up in the morning and found out that you lost $1,000. That would very much weigh into your joy tank that morning. But if you woke up in the morning and found out that you lost 20 pounds, we would have revival. <laughs> when things are going well, we feel good. And when things are going bad, we feel bad. Our joy ebbs, ebbs and flows, goes up and it comes down. And I truly believe one aspect of the heart of Christmas is that Jesus came so that we could experience true joy that is not tied to the circumstances of life. That we would experience true joy that wouldn't fluctuate with the environment that we live in. But that we could remain steady here in this situation with our feet on the ground. Grounded because our eyes are fixed on him and our hearts are fixed on him. 
I want to tell you that's why sick people can praise him. And that's why broke people can praise him. That's why struggling people can praise him. Because our joy is not tied to the circumstances of this world. Our joy is relegated to the fact that he came and to give us joy. And the Bible tells me that his joy is my strength. His joy keeps me going. And that's why the enemy of our soul and, and the circumstances of life are, are out to seek, to take our joy and to always have us looking at what we don't have and what's going wrong and what's lacking and, and what could be better. Because there's always room for improvement, absolutely. But can I tell you, we have to be people that exhibit and contain the joy of the Lord. Regardless of the circumstances, I'm telling you because I love you today and because I want you to experience all that God has for you. But that we could remain steady with our eyes on him. As John began his gospel letter, he gives a different perspective of the birth of Jesus. While Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us details specifically about the manger, about the Magi, about the people that came to see him, about the gifts, John takes a different approach and gives us a big picture to be able to understand and comprehend from beginning to end. He, he tells us and he writes to us the cause for joy no matter what we face in life. And he sums it up in John chapter 1 and verse 14 that says, like this, the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Verse 14 says, the Word became flesh. You remember in Genesis in the beginning, God spoke. The word became flesh when Jesus is born in the manger. He was God coming to live among us. In the beginning was the word, John says, and the word was with God and the word was God. He came as one of us. The passage here then gives us two reasons for a joy that does not have to change with the seasons of life or shift with our situations, the different sceneries and the different cir circumstances of life. No, but that we can have a constant joy throughout every time and a grounding attitude in the face of whatever the world throws our way. And the first thing is this, we can have joy because God came to us. We can have joy because God came to us. A common misconception that people carry around with them is that to be reunited with God and to have a relationship with God, a right relationship with him, is that we as humans must work super hard and we must strive for perfection and strive to make our way to him. That it is all what we do, how I look and how I act and how I carry myself. One of the greatest joy robbers in our lives is thinking we can never be good enough. We are broken. The truth is we are broken and flawed. 
people who hurt others, who make mistakes, who live selfish lives. I'm talking about humanity in, in general. And if we are relying on our abilities to earn a connection with God, we will always be disappointed. We will always be disappointed. Paul Thigpen from the Discipleship Journal wrote this about an instance, a, an encounter that he had with his daughter. And he says this, I remember coming home one afternoon to discover that the kitchen I had worked so hard to clean only a few hours before was now a terrible wreck. My young daughter had obviously been busy cooking and the ingredients were scattered along with dirty bowls and utensils across the counters and the floor. He says, I was not happy with the situation. Then as I looked a little bit closer at the mess, I was able to see a tiny note on the table that was clumsily written and smeared with chocolatey fingerprints. The message was short, but it was profound. And it said, I'm making something for you, Dad. And it was signed, Your Angel. Paul Thigpen says, in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the disarray, and despite my irritation, he said, joy suddenly sprang up in my heart, sweet and pure. My attention had been redirected from the problem to the little girl that I loved. As I encountered her in that brief note, I delighted in her. With her simple goodness and focus, I could take pleasure in seeing her hand at work in the situation that seemed disastrous. I said all that to say the same is true for our joy in God. God is always at work. And God is always at work even when we don't see it. Because the truth is, can I just be honest with you? Sometimes life looks like what he came home to. Just a mess. A disaster from our perspective. Things going wrong all over the place. And it can be hard for us to find joy in the circumstances when you look at them on the surface. It can be hard to focus on the joy when I look at the problems and I look at the chaos. However, if we look closely, we can see God is at work. We might see God coming near to us like he did on that one Christmas night to let us know that he is making something of my life and of your life when we're tempted to feel hopeless. When you're tempted and you look at your life in, in utter disaster, that, that we're able to look past all of that and see that little note just as that father did and know that God is at work in my life. And if it's not good, it's not done. And he that begun the good work in me, he is faithful to complete it. That it does not end like that. That there is joy because my God is always at work. <clears throat> joy is at the heart of Christmas because knowing that we could never make it to him, God came to us. Knowing that man's efforts 
were constantly just failing time and time again. God came to us. This is the only religion, Christianity I'm speaking of, in the world where, where the deity does what is necessary to unite with humanity. Every other religion, the person has to do certain things to be able to work to get close to their God. But, but our God says, no, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you in your mess. I'm coming to you in your bad habits. I'm coming to you in your failures. I'm coming to you in your unresolved sin. He said, I love you too much. You'll never try. You'll never do it on your own. I'm coming down to you. And I'm grateful today that I'm reminded in this season that he came down 40 in two generations. And he wrapped himself in flesh. And he lived a life like you and I lived. The Bible says... That he was tempted in all points, but he sinned not. He lived a perfect life to cancel out my imperfect life. He lived a perfect life to cancel out your imperfections. Paul makes this statement in the book of Romans. As he insists we can be saved through Jesus. He says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Christ died for us. While you were still strung out. While you were still hard-headed. While you were still doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing and did them anyway. He died for us. He died for us. For Paul, there is not a bad list. There's not a good list that we have to work hard to get on or a bad list that we have to work hard to escape. No, the gift of God's grace is offered to us generously without price because we could never afford it on our own. While we were sinners, he died for us. And the second reason that we can have joy and that joy can be a constant reality in the lives that we live is because of how much he loves us. How much he loves us. And how much he is committed to our transformation that is done through his power. So the second thing that I want to leave with you is this, that God loves us absolutely just as we are. But, there's a, there's a but. And too much to leave us that way. So does God love me in my sinful decisions? Yes. But he doesn't want you to stay there. It's not a license to keep doing wrong. It's not a license to do whatever we want. He loves you too much to leave you that way. If we look further in John chapter 1, we find that it is through Jesus that we see the glory and the fullness of God. His arrival brings joy. Not only did God come close to us, but he came because he loves us. Do you realize that this morning that you're loved by God? Not just tolerated, not just someone you put up with, no, but loved and deeply loved. The Bible tells us that Jesus came from the Father full of grace 
and true. And this is the key to understanding our second reason for abiding joy, a joy that, that stays with you regardless of life. When Jesus came to us, he came full of grace. The grace that John writes about is the Greek word charis, which means favor, kindness, or it's just simply put a gift of blessing. Like a wrapped gift shared from one to another can bring joy to our hearts. So the gift of God, his grace that we haven't earned, his grace that we don't deserve, his perfect grace that he offers to us. And, we, and when we recognize it, it's reason for joy. Because God loves us absolutely just the way we are, but he doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He desires more for us. So while he came with grace, he also came full of truth. He also came full of truth. The word John uses here is the word aletheia, which means divine reality that's revealed to man or a straightforwardness. So Jesus holds grace in one hand that allows us to be accepted into his family. And in the other hand, he holds truth that shows us the areas of our lives that must be transformed to live the fullest life possible. That's what I desperately want for you today, that you wouldn't just be existing, that you just wouldn't be surviving, but that you would be living at full throttle. Grace and truth. Grace and truth to live the fullest life possible. The book of 1 John expounds on this idea in 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Not just breathe, but live. The author insists that Jesus came to us. He manifested his love among us. The reason why he did this is because he desires you and I in this place to find life in him. And that as we live through him, we experience joy because it requires a gift of truth and grace. Joy is a result of grace, as I draw to a close this morning. Joy is a result of grace. Because when you think about it, how, how awesome it is that he, he did it all for you and I. This word grace shows up in the church a lot. But that it is because it is that way because we're able to live a life of joy as a result of it. Our Heavenly Father sent Jesus to a manger in Bethlehem because he wanted to dwell among us to demonstrate his amazing grace and his life-changing truth. And because of that, we're able to experience joy in our lives no matter the circumstances. Because we are confident in knowing that God is with us and God is for us. God is with us 
and God is for us. It requires grace and truth. Hand in hand. goes together. John chapter 8 tells us of a story of a lady that, that's, that was caught in adultery and she's brought before Jesus. And they, these religious people wanted to get her caught up in a situation and bring her to Jesus as he's teaching and they, they say, we caught this woman. Adultery, the law says that she should be stoned. And Jesus never negates that because that's what was written, and God will never void his law. Never void his word, should I say. So, what does Jesus do? Jesus gets on the floor, and, and the Bible just tells us he writes something we don't know what he wrote. But what I do know is that there's one person on the ground who's in desperate need of God to do something in her life. And while everybody else is looking down at her and everybody else is casting blame and everybody else is pointing the finger, I'm grateful that I serve a God that, that gets down on the ground. I'm grateful for a God who is perfect, sinless, and blameless. And this woman was at complete fault, no doubt. But I serve a God that gets down. He came down 40 in two generations. And he said, if, if you're on the ground, I'm on the ground with you. And I'll go through what you've gone through and I'll, I'll experience loss and rejection. Without sin, the Bible tells us, he was tempted in all points, but sinned not. Jesus gets down. And I want to tell you, you may feel like you're down and out. I, I might... I want to tell you, you may feel like there is no hope and, and everything, everybody around you is progressing and moving forward and you feel like you're just stuck in a situation that, that you can't get out of. I want to tell you that the God we serve gets to the, to the, to the lowest point and, and the stink in your life doesn't stop him. And that he sees you in your hurt and he sees you in your loss, he sees you in what you're facing. He tells them, yeah, yeah, the law does say that, but whoever doesn't have any sin casts the first stone. And I can just see them, this is just the way I, I'm, I'm a visionary learning, I'm a visual learner. I could just see them that they all had their, their rocks ready to go. But as he said that, one by one. I can't imagine they just dropped it and kind of backed up and said, uh, you know, there's this thing in my life that, and it just happened. And all of a sudden, Jesus just tells her, 
woman, where are your accusers? And, and she looks up and she says, they're, they're gone. And this is what he says that, that is, drives home the point of grace and truth. He says, neither do I condemn you. There's grace. But then he says, but go and sin no more. There's truth. Grace and truth allow us to experience the life that God wants so desperately for us. He said, John 10, 10, I came to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. And if I'm not living that life, and if you're not living that life, I am not experiencing all that he has for me. So I want to tell you today, Impact City, as we wrap up 2023, and as we move on, to the great things that God has for us in 2024, that we would experience everything that he has for us. And that means that for some of us, we gotta leave some things behind and stop making some choices that we've been making and, and, and delete some things out, delete some contacts, delete some people on Facebook that are just speaking ill all the time and always wanna blame everybody else and only wanna talk about themselves. I don't know what the, what the situation is. But whatever it is that's holding you back and holding me back, that we would just lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, I want to experience all that he has for me. The late pastor Charles Spurgeon said it this way, that when we experience joy, that when we go all in to experience what he has for us, this is what he writes. Real quick, can I just, and can I tell you that people that, that are joyful, even their, their health is, is, health effects are related. Grumpy people and grouchy people have, have higher blood pressure, higher heart rates. Takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. And Charles Spurgeon says this, there's marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines are distasteful. They don't taste good. But this, which is the best of all medicines, let this sink in your spirit. This, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste and comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is very contagious. One Dolores spirit brings a, a kind of plague into the house. One person who is wretched seems to stop all the birds from singing wherever they go, but the grace of joy is contagious. I want that kind of joy in my life. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. I get to wake up in the morning and I have strength to be able to go to work. It is holy joy will beautify you and give you an influence over the lives of others. That's the kind of life I want for you. 
So this Christmas, may you come to find that at the heart of this holiday, the reason for the season is Jesus. And because he came, you can have a deep and abiding joy because the love of God and the sacrifice of Jesus, it holds the power to change us. And it holds the power to change the world. Father, I thank you today. I thank you today for your word and I ask that you would overwhelm us with joy and joy unspeakable. That you would show us the meaning and the purpose of true joy as we look at the birth of Christ with eager eyes and anxious hearts. Let our joy be contagious to those around us. Light us up with your love, with your grace, with your truth, with your joy. God, that we would be able to experience the fullness of what you have for us in every circumstance, in every situation, that your joy would be our strength. That when we feel like we're going under, that when we feel like life is too much, that your joy would be our strength to hold us, to sustain us, and to see us through. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now, maybe you've heard of Jesus. You've been to church time and time again, but you've never really opened your heart. And I... There's some of you in this house that have not given your life to Jesus and he's coming after you. He chases you. He pursues you with a relentless love. He's a God that leaves the 99 to go after the one. You're that important to him that he is coming after you. And he stands at the door. The Bible says he stands at the door. He knocks. But you have to open the door. And you have to let him in. And for someone in this place that you've been carrying hurt, you've been carrying shame, you've been trying to make your life perfect to get to God, God says, I did it for you. He, he offers you eternal life. He so loved the world that whoever believed in him would never never die but experience life and eternity with him and so if that is you today just where you're at in your seat with every head bowed every eye closed and you say today's the day I'm going to give my life to Jesus I'm going all in with him I give him my whole heart I want to invite you to just raise your hand right where you're at that you would raise your hand right where I see you I see you. I see you. If you would, if everyone at the sound of my voice would just pray this prayer with me. We believe in community. We believe that we are a family, that no one goes through life alone. We're here for each other. So I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for your love. 
I ask that you come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I give you my hurt. I give you my shame. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together for everyone that accepted him today? God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to invite you to stand.